Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of our Wednesday night study entitled A Study of Prayer based on the book How to Pray by Ronnie Floyd. Since this is a discussion-based study, we have edited out the comments made by those in attendance due to the fact that they do not have a microphone. May you draw closer to God each day in your prayer life. Lesson number seven, how to call upon the Lord. Now study on how to pray. Uh, I kind of open every week with this statement. I, I don't know that I'm teaching you anything new, but I hope I'm reminding you of some of the principles of prayer that are important to us uh, as we want to have an effective, powerful prayer life as believers in the Lord Jesus. So I'm glad you're here for that. Tonight's lesson, this is number seven out of somewhere around 19 lessons. Uh, tonight is how to call upon the Lord. Call in quote marks. How to call upon the Lord uh, with the emphasis on the word call. Well, as we begin, what really is the true essence of prayer? Well, we come before God as Jesus taught us to pray, and we are to approach our God as hallowed. His name is holy. Uh, we acknowledge His holiness. We acknowledge that uh, He is greater than we. He is creator. He is God. He is Lord. He is sovereign. He is sustainer. Uh, so we praise God's holiness. We, pr we praise His goodness. And also as we come to the Lord in prayer... He allows us to come with every need that we have. Uh, he hears our concerns. He hears our downfalls. He hears our joys, our problems, our anxieties. He hears our desire to know what the future would hold and how we follow Him. Uh, but, and as we bring all of our needs to Him, the essence of prayer is that we lay those needs before Him and leave them there. That's key to prayer, that what we bring to the Lord, especially in our area of need in our life, or the people for whom we are praying as intercessors, we lay those needs before Him. We lay those people before Him and allow Him to handle those prayers in the way that He knows is right. But here's the downfall, and I'm going to speak on a personal level, and if you identify with this, that's, that's between you and the Lord, and, and, uh, but this is, this is certainly for me. Sometimes when I pray, I say amen, and I raise my head, and pr proceed to decide how I need that prayer answered. And I make my own plan for how to have the prayer answered. What do I need to do to bring the desired result that I have in my head for my prayer? Do I have any, any witnesses? <laughs> Thank you. You know, sometimes for us, it is very easy for us to lay our burdens before God and say amen and pick our burdens back up and carry them on with us. And the essence of prayer is that we are able to lay them down. Because true prayer is to be freeing. It's to give us the assurance that God hears us, and not only does He hear us, he wants to shoulder our burdens for us. He wants to take them from us. Uh, he, he wants us to have an utter dependence and trust in Him so that as we lay our needs and our joys and our concerns and the people that we love before Him, that we can leave them there so that He can answer those prayers. We are to leave it with God for His healing and for His direction 
in that, those things for which we're praying. Uh, and the church is based on that kind of prayer. You know, so often, and I think we who are in the pastor's positions can see that we, we want to lead the church to pray, but we have to avoid the temptation, okay, the church is praying for this, but let's us lay the plan as how it's going to get done. <laughs> Where <laughs> I get a chuckle out of Clyde uh, because we know it's true. We, we say we're praying for this, but let's make a plan to get it answered. And sometimes we just need to pray and say, God, now we are going to sit back in faith and in trust and wait for your answer. And sometimes that's a hard wait. Sometimes our human nature takes us into the, to the realm of saying, I don't want to wait any longer. I want the answer to this, so I'm going to work to get the answer rolling. But the church is based on the prayer of the, of the saints gathered together, waiting on the answers of God, laying down our needs before Him, laying our future as a church and our ministry before Him, and then waiting for His answer to come. Uh, in the book of How to Pray, again, if, the, if you're new to us, this study is springing from this book called How to Pray, written by Ronnie Floyd, who is uh, uh, one of the leaders of Southern Baptist Convention now. Uh, heard him preach. He's a, he's a great preacher. But I want you to hear uh, a, a quote from another pastor, uh, Jim Cimbala, uh from New York City. Uh, and uh, this, is a, this is from a book that he wrote, and I'm sure uh, many of you have read this book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Uh, but this is what Pastor Cimbala wrote. The Bible says, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Preaching, music, the reading of the Word, these things are fine. I believe in and practice all of them. But they must never override prayer as the, the, the defining mark of God's dwelling. The honest truth is that when I have seen God do more in people's lives during 10 minutes of real prayer than in 10 of my sermons. Amen to that. Uh, have you ever noticed that Jesus launched the Christian church not while someone was preaching, but while people were praying. That's, that's pretty strong, isn't it? The church got launched on prayer. Uh, and I, I appreciate what he said, that God can accomplish in prayer so much more than we can accomplish in our human efforts. Or even when we preach his word, we have to give the accomplishment of that prayer to him. So the utter dependence on God is to take our prayers and He will totally handle them. He will totally answer them. And we need to grow in that faith and in that trust. Uh, he does not need our help. <laughs> he needs us to trust. He needs us to be people of faith in the fact that He will take our prayers and answer them. We need to get there. Personally, I need to get there. And not develop my own plan as to how prayer is going to get answered. Now, certainly when we pray, we call upon the Lord. And as we pray, we're depending on the Lord. And the Bible assures us that when we as the Lord's people pray, particularly as we pray in Jesus' name, as Jesus taught us, that he will hear our prayers. No question, in the discussion, period, he hears our prayers. But to neglect to pray, according to Ronnie Floyd, to neglect to pray demonstrates that we are content to depend upon ourselves. When we do not pray, we're telling God, I don't need you. 
I can bring the answer that I need. Of my own strength and my own wisdom, Lord, I don't need your answer because I can develop the answer myself when we don't pray. So, so what does it mean then to call on the Lord? Well, in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, to call on the Lord means to summon well, let me back up, not to call on the Lord. The definition of the, just the words to call is to summon a person's help or a person's aid. So if I were to call Gwen in the house, I must be in some kind of trouble. I'm summoning her help and her aid to come to me uh, if I'm in some sort of jam. So when we call upon the Lord, we are summoning and inviting Him to come to help us, to come to our aid it's a call for him to come. It's not a demand for him to come. We don't have to demand for him to come. We're his children. He's going to come. We don't have to demand him to come to our place of need. When we call, because he's our father, because he loves us, because he saved us, because he's invested himself in us, he will come. It's not an order, it's a request. And we know that he will fulfill that request every time because he cares for us that deeply. The Hebrew word also means to cry out loudly. To call on the name of the Lord is to cry out loudly for someone's attention, for God's attention. God wants us to call out to him. And that means we have to lay down pride. Sometimes pride keeps our prayers quiet and small. Sometimes we ask for too little. What the Bible teaches us is that we can open the door to, to calling on God with all of our strength, with all of our needs, because we realize that He has total control, and He gives us hope in all of the prayers that we would bring to Him. From the smallest need to the greatest need, we have the hope of knowing He's going to hear us, and He's going to take care of us. So to to, to literally to call in Hebrew is to shout. Now, the Psalms are called the prayer book of the Old Testament. Uh, so when we are reading Psalms, you are reading the prayers of Israel. The literal prayers led in Israel compose the book of Psalms. Throughout the book of Psalms, there's evidence that prayer is not always a quiet endeavor. Let me give you a couple of examples. You might want to write these down. Uh, there, are, there are many, but let me just begin with a few. Psalm 66, verses 16 through 20. Here's what the Word says. Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what He hath done for my soul. I cried unto Him with my mouth, and He was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. But I want you to notice the words. It says, I cried unto the Lord. That means that with all of this prayer's strength, he's calling to God. And he said, and God certainly answered. God came to me in mercy. Uh, another one that you might want to write, uh, write down is Psalm 17, 1. 
Psalm 17, 1 says this. Hear the, the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. In other words, my lips are sincere in my prayer. But I want you to notice that it says here, uh, Lord, attend unto my cry. So again, this is a shout to God. Uh, it's calling for Him to come, literally lifting up your voice for God to come to that person. Another word in Hebrew that you could translate is wail. Well, you've heard your children wail. Uh, so it's, it's a loud sound as you call to God. Uh, another verse, I won't read it, but it's Psalm 39, 12. You will see the word cry or wail in your translation uh, as this person calls to God. Psalm 61, 1. says this, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. Again, a loud call for God to come to take care of that prayer. Another one uh, is Psalm 88, 2. Mentions the word crying to God. And then another one is Psalm 102, 1. Crying to God, coming to Him in prayer. So I want you to see that the, the Psalms are peppered with this cry to God, this wail for God to come to take care of the prayer. So what I want you to see tonight, especially here in our congregation, is we're picking up something a little bit new maybe about prayer, that it often involves shouts of calling to God to come, shouts of praise and shouts of thanksgiving, even in the public setting. Uh, if you don't think that the nation of Israel had loud worship, read Psalm 150, the last one. Uh, that was a noisy gathering with everything that was happening. Read Psalm 150 uh, as a devotional message to, uh, as God speaks to you about prayer because you can see that Israel worshipped loudly uh, and prayed loudly. Uh, it's absolutely biblical. Uh, it's a little bit foreign to us uh, to, to do anything too loudly. Uh, you know, I've often thought I'd, I'd love for the congregation to come into a, uh, the Vacation Bible School and to hear that group in here on Vacation Bible School nice because it is deafening in here sometimes. Uh, and, but, but, that, but what a picture of worship that is. When these children through teenagers are just raising their voices and having a great time worshiping the Lord uh, in Vacation Bible School. It's, a whole, it's just a whole different atmosphere in this room. It's an amazing thing, and I love the transformation uh, as it comes. Uh, but uh, we are to sometimes raise our voices. One minister said the greatest shout he could ever stir up from his congregation is when they would write amen on a piece of paper and put it in the offering plate. That's about as loud as they would get. But it is biblical in the context of the Bible that we are to call upon God, publicly as well as privately. Okay, well, let's look at how the word call is used in two passages of Jeremiah. Uh, and I love the prophecy of Jeremiah. Uh, the first one, there's actually several, but I just chose a couple of them for brevity tonight. Uh, but one that I want you to take a note on and go to sometime is uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Jeremiah 11, uh, 29, 
11 through 13. This is the word of the Lord. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end or to give you a future and a hope in a lot of translations. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Call unto me, search for me with all of your heart, and I will hearken, I will come, I will answer you in prayer. Uh, Those are great words, but I want you to notice that this word of Jeremiah affirms that God has a hope and a future for every one of us, and a future for our ministry. We're not just meandering along here on earth's timeline. God has us here for a purpose every single day. That's true for your individual life and mine, and true for our church's life, that God has a purpose for us to be here. Amen? He has a purpose for you and me to be here in this particular time of history. Also, Jeremiah 33, 3, 3, 3, verse 3, says this, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So God says, I'm going to give you answers that you cannot develop in your human mind. The reason we have to give God the uh, permission to answer our prayers and for us to back off and allow him to do so is because he has answers that we cannot know. He has long-term answers that we can't figure out the future. As, as the answer to our prayer plays out, God's answer is perfect. It's not just perfect in the moment, it's perfect in the long term. And we don't have that ability to look down the, the hallway of history and answer prayer like God can answer prayer. He says, pray to me, call to me, because I can answer in ways that you don't know, that you will never understand, that you can't figure out. I love that verse. So calling on God is a primary commitment, and it's a primary uh, part of our faith. You know, for those of us who have children, and, and now that we have grandchildren for Gwen and me, when, uh, when a child asks for something, they don't hesitate to ask. I mean, if they have a desire, they come and ask you for it. Uh, They just make their desires known. Uh, Sometimes they're realistic, sometimes they're not. But uh, they'll come to you with whatever is on their mind, whether it's hunger first, the thirst to play with me, or help me in some way. A child does not have a problem asking for help. That is exactly what did Jesus tell us, that we're to be, if, 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 if we're to understand the kingdom of God, look at a child. If we're going to get to the kingdom of God, you have to be like a child. Uh, there's a lot to be said in that, that uh, we are to have a childlike faith, that we trust him enough that we can ask him for anything, and he will hearken to our prayers, as it says in Jeremiah. So when is it proper to call on the Lord? Well, the short answer is any time, any time. It's proper to call on the name of the Lord. Here's some basic times to call on him, and this is going to bring us to the, to the end of our study tonight. But here are some basic times that we need to call on the name of the Lord. First of all, we should call on him on, in all of our needs. Any sort of our needs, we're to call on him. God loves us to call on him. For true believers, he expects us to call on him. 
It's not an imposition. It does not catch him off guard. He's waiting for us, expecting us to call on him because we're his children, to bring our needs to him. And bringing our needs to him doesn't indicate a lack of faith, but rather an understanding that in our faith, we want to lay all things before him because we trust him that deeply. Oh, second, uh, the second basic time we call on the Lord is when we are pursuing the future. When we're looking down the road of our life, you know, we are the only creation of God who understands the future. You know, every other living being on earth lives in the present moment, has no I'm sure it, for maybe some of the upper primates, there might be something about dinner tomorrow, a short-term future understanding. But you and I have the gift of God alone that we can understand what the future means, what the true long-term future means. He knows our needs in making decisions about future things. Now, he is very quick to tell us, Jesus is very quick to tell us, you can't be so anxious about your future that you forget about the value of today. Don't let your worries about tomorrow eat up your time that you have today. So we have to keep that in perspective, that we do have a future. We have to plan for our future, but we can't forget the responsibility and the joy and the ministry and the opportunity of today. Because when 12 o'clock comes tonight, today is gone. And it will never have a redo and it will never have a repeat. So don't let the future eat up your, your present. That's very important. But we do know we have to plan for the future. And since God has the ability to see the future far, far better than we can, we are to give Him our future needs. You know, I, I've, had, I've heard so many people say, uh, I have prayed for my baby that we have in our home now. I have prayed for their spouse. Have you ever heard that or have you ever done that? You know, you have a, a baby or one who's coming up to those adolescent years. Now's the time to start praying for their spouse. Uh, you have no idea where that spouse is going to come from uh, at that particular moment, but God does. And so pray for God to have an impact on that spouse before your daughter meets him or your son meets her. Uh, give the Lord the future. Uh, in all things, uh, because he is the one who can see down that hallway. Uh, again, Jeremiah 29 says, I, God says, I know the plans I have for you. You know what the implication of that is? You don't know. If you're going to get there, you've got to depend on me, because I know that which you do not know. Uh, so sad for people who don't have Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they think they're planning all the future of the money and the bank accounts and the possessions and all of that, and that's not the future that God's talking about. He's talking about the future of our life in Him. Uh, and that's why we need to be strong as witnesses because those who are lost need Him so much because they're so misdirected in what their future is. Who better to call on when God is alone has the plan for our future. Give your future to Him. Thirdly, we certainly, certainly call on Him in worship. We have to call on God. Uh, you know, I, I am a firm believer. I've believed this all my life. I've only come to a firmer belief in this 
as I go down the years of life. Uh, that is that every believer needs the church. Every single believer needs the church. Uh, we need to call on him corporately in worship as brothers and sisters. There's a strength among us that we will suffer if we don't have that strength. As a believer, we will suffer if we don't have that strength of the church in our life. Jesus created the church. Jesus gave us the church. Jesus is the leader of the church. If he created it, then I, I absolutely know that the believer needs it. I, I need it. I need the church. I need you. Uh, there's a strength in our togetherness, and I'm so thankful for that. But we corporately call on our God in worship. And here's, here's something else, as, as I myself have kind of thought about this concept of we call on God in worship. You know, every week we have a bulletin, and every week we have an order. And, and God is a God of order. I think that's very important, that God is the God of order, and we follow Him in order. But our worship cannot be so scripted and so solidified uh, and so ordered that it becomes stale and powerless. We always have to give God the ability to allow His Spirit to, to move us and speak to us and uh, change us if that's the need. Uh, and, I, and I've seen that happen in this very place, that, that God moves. I, I can tell you this, and, I, and any person who is a preacher, and I think this is true for Sunday school teachers, but, you know, I, I have a sermon, and uh, Pastor Clyde and Jeffrey, Pastor Tom, when he speaks, when, when we, have, we have something in front of us that's, that's been guided by our study and our prayer we, in a week-long study session. But I have never completely preached a sermon that was all in the, on the paper in front of me. Not even once. There, there is a feeling in that pulpit that God has His hand on my shoulder, and that he is guiding that process. Uh, and it's different than chasing rabbit trails. I'm not talking about that. But every once in a while, uh, in every sermon, somewhere you step off of that path to, to something that he has planted in your mind, uh, and you know you're supposed to say it in that moment. It happens every time you speak. And it should, because that's surrendered to him. Uh, he blesses the process of study. I would never... Stand in the pulpit with a passage of Scripture that I haven't studied. But through the process of study, there's also a freedom of the Holy Spirit to move the speaker into a little sidetrack and bring you back onto the main drag again. Uh, that's, that's the process of worship. That's true for the preacher, but that's true for the entirety of worship. I can't tell you the number of times that Tom's had to kind of change gears when things happen in here. And that's just, that's just part of, of, of the Holy Spirit's guidance. Uh, Pastor Clyde has changed gears where the prayer time is or, or what the prayer is about because that's the Holy Spirit's guidance. We, we worship Him. We're called to worship Him. We're called to worship Him in order, but we can't be so solidified that the Holy Spirit can't be in control. Amen? That makes sense? How important it is for the people of God to worship Him and give the Spirit the, uh, the, the freedom to guide us. Finally, fourthly, we are to call on the Lord individually uh, at designated prayer times in our own personal life. Uh, we are to take time to call on Him. I believe, I, I believe that our Christian life is, uh, is a lifestyle. 
But I also believe there should be moments that you sit down and come apart from the world and give that time to him. Uh, that's, that's important that we call on him as individual, that we have an individual need to commune with our God through Jesus Christ. So that brings us back to the main principle of this book that we're studying through from Ronnie Floyd. And here's a primary statement that Ronnie wrote at the beginning of the book, and he kind of nails it down throughout the book, and it is this. God can do more in a moment of prayer than all of the programs of the church can do in a lifetime. In one moment of prayer, God can accomplish more than all of our programs put together over years and years and years. Because God is God. Well, with that, we are going to close that section of study, but we're going to call on the name of the Lord tonight. Uh, Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you will join us on our next podcast.